listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Friday, the 22nd of April. This is Recap brought to you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. Here is the disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day there, Vanessa. Kia ora, Jose. It's, it's uh, a really great pleasure to have you here on Casual Friday on Recap, Vanessa. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Uh, how was your, you were actually away most of the week, weren't you? I was, I was. I was in the Marlborough Sounds where it was oh, beautiful. get out. I love the sounds. I know, it's lovely. Did you go swim with dolphins and sort of float around? No, or? no. Some of my family went for a swim, but it was freezing. So <laughs> I just, uh, I just took, watched out on the shore. That's really sensible. And how did <laughs> you, well, you would have flown back on one of those the small planes, right? Yes, yes, I did, and um, and I had worked myself into quite a state as well because yesterday in Wellington there was some pretty high winds, so it was a bit like a washing machine up there. Uh, but you survived, and we're I so did. glad you I, did. I survived to come back to work for another day. <laughs> yeah, I've only had one really bad uh, flight into Wellington once, and uh, man, I made some bad swears. Very oh, loud, really? audible swears. Oh, you're pretty lucky. Yeah, I can't. Even, I cannot repeat it here. I just, I was like. Rah, 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 rah. No, bad. that's right, because it's, it's Shearsies, not Swearsies, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been Boom. listening. You've got it. You've got it. Uh, well, welcome to Casual Friday, everybody. Thank you, Vanessa. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Of course, our, our guest for this edition of Casual Friday is Tony Alexander. He is an independent economist, and I got his thoughts about the annual inflation rate. It is the highest it's been since the 90s, so Tony's take on what it means and where we're going is later on in the show. Jose, is it true there hasn't been a single mention of Elon Musk, Tesla, or Twitter on Recap this week? <laughs> oh my, oh my God! I, I think you're right. <laughs> I can fix that for you. Oh, thank goodness for that. Uh, you've got some news. Sure have. Let's hear it. What's up? Well, Tesla's earnings are up for starters. Oh. It uh, just announced its quarterly results with revenue of 18.8 billion US dollars, and that's about 5% more than analysts were expecting. And gross margins were a record 33%. Okay, hold up. So what's a, what's a gross margin? Okay, so in super simple terms, it's basically how much a company makes from selling a product after taking away all the costs spent making that product. Right. So it's it's sort of a measure of how effective a company is at generating revenue for each dollar it spends. And it seems like Tesla's pretty good at it, or it was at least in the last quarter. Yeah, its results were pretty well received by the market too. Its share price um, bumped up by just over 3% yesterday. So I'm assuming that the Tesla shareholders must be pretty happy? Well, not entirely. Okay, let me guess. This is where we talk about Twitter, right? Bingo. So some Tesla shareholders are are worried that Elon Musk might be getting a little distracted by his latest hobby horse, which has quickly morphed from buying a little chunk of Twitter to trying to buy the whole damn thing. Right. So he wasn't discouraged by last week's poison pill gambit, uh, which was put in play by the board of Twitter. Could it be that he's really serious about the bid? 
Well, that's a pretty valid question when it comes to Elon Musk and his musings, but it seems it, it seems this time he is for real. Um, he filed an offer with the US Securities and Exchange Commission, commission yesterday. I'm guessing that's not going to be pocket change, right? Even for Musk. He offered $46.5 billion US dollars. So that would come from three sources. The first two are loans from investment banks, then $21 billion from Musk himself. Right. I mean, I guess he must really want Twitter if he's prepared to stump up that much. Well, the specifics of that portion of the offer aren't totally clear. He, he might have equity partners lined up or, or intends to, but it's also possible that he could put some of his own stake in Tesla on the line. Um, and that prompted an analyst at Wedbush Securities to say that Musk would be giving away caviar to buy a hot dog on the street. <laughs> Suddenly I'm really hungry. Um, what, what, does, what does Twitter have to say about this latest offer? Well, not much at this stage. It's acknowledged um, receiving an updated non-binding proposal from Musk and it said it'll conduct a careful, comprehensive review to determine what's in the best interest of the company and, and all Twitter shareholders, which, which it's legally obligated to do. Mm, so so uh, it sounds like it's not a no. It's not a no, but it's also not a yes or even really a maybe. So Musk has also said he'd consider launching a tender offer. And I'm still feeling very hungry. Uh, how does a tender <laughs> offer work? So that basically means if enough individual shareholders, usually around 50%, agree to sell their shares at the offer price, he could acquire Twitter without the consent of its board of directors. And Musk has been hinting about this all week, tweeting references to love me tender and tender is the night. Oh, subtle. Uh, sounds like we haven't heard the last on this. <laughs> as long as Elon Musk has access to 280 characters, not a chance. Let's leave Elon and Twitter to one side and have a look at what's happening locally. Jose, what's going on? Uh, Move Logistics has applied for a foreign-exempt listing on the Australian Stock Exchange. Okay, so what's happening here? Who's Move Logistics? Yeah, uh, Move Logistics is a freight and logistics business based in New Zealand. Uh, they are headquartered out of New Plymouth. It's one of the country's largest freight and warehousing businesses. Uh, its first half income for 2022 was $183 million. It is listed on the New Zealand Stock Exchange and has a market cap of $166 million. So what is it exactly they want to do? So the company wants to list on the Australian Stock Exchange or the ASX, but also wants to remain listed on the New Zealand Stock Exchange in what is called a dual listing. Move says it wants to list as a foreign exempt entity. Now, that's a category of companies that are already listed on a foreign exchange. In this case, it's the New Zealand Stock Exchange. And want the, uh, the ASX to be their secondary listing. If Move is successful being granted that dual listing, it means it'll be exempt from a number of different ASX-required compliances. However, the rules of its home exchange, the New Zealand Stock Exchange, the NZX, will still apply. So, so why did Move want to ship themselves over to the other side of the ditch? Yeah, the, to the chair of the Move board, Lorraine Witten, said it means that the company will be able to access a lot more investors, both retail and institutional. Uh, they also pointed to the possibility of greater access to capital raises and other growth opportunities. Basically, it's a much bigger pond to swim around in. Okay, makes sense. So what happens now? Uh, they say that their application is currently being considered by the ASX. Move says they expect to be dual listed on the exchange by the end of May. So on Thursday, New Zealand's annual inflation rate was revealed to be 6.9%. That is the highest it's been in three decades. 
What it means is that in the past year, the average price of goods and services has increased by 6.9%. Yeah, and inflation is often referred to as the thief in your pocket because it means your money has lost some of its value. It no longer buys quite as much. It's been a big story the past week, so I thought I'd get in touch with Tony Alexander. He is a former chief economist for the BNZ, and I wanted to talk to him about what he thought of the current situation and what may possibly unfold. So the annual inflation rate is 6.9%. Um, was this expected? I, I think I saw in general that it was thought it, it could potentially be higher, right? Yeah, some people thought higher. The average expectation was 7.1%. But frankly, given the large things that are moving us, it would have been actually extremely surprising if it had come out exactly at 7.1%. Right. And in fact, over the past few years, uh, ever since ooh, late 2018, we've had quite a few CPI releases which have been vastly different from expectations. So pure luck, quite frankly, if anyone got it right this time. <laughs> right. So what's driving all this? I mean, we've talked about inflation a lot on Recap before, so I think people are, are, are familiar with uh, the, the the drivers there, COVID, supply chain issues, uh, climate change affecting um, food prices in part. But now, I think since we last talked about inflation on Recap, we have Russia invading Ukraine. Is, is that part of it, or is it more of a contributor just to general economic volatility? Yeah, no, there's definitely more than just the economy growing above capacity. That is the key thing, yeah. which people like myself were expressing concern about, uh, you know, over this time a year ago in the context of the Reserve Bank really needed to be putting the brakes on because uh, uh, the economy couldn't keep growing with the quantity of resources. But on top of that is really what has caused the massive surge to a 30-year high. And yeah, clearly it's uh, Russia's war against our Ukraine, so commodity prices facing some severe upward uh, uh, pressure there, your, your foods, your minerals, energy, um, et cetera. Uh, China's uh, failed uh, COVID management strategy that they're continuing essentially to do what we were initially doing two years ago when there were no vaccines, and they unfortunately are still stuck there. And that's leading to businesses, uh, ports, uh, whole cities uh, being closed down. And it looks like that could be with us for some time. So, yeah, you put that uh, definitely in there as well. And it, it all just comes in once, essentially, yeah. and it's a, it's a bit of bad luck. That brings us to governments and central banks and their response to to inflation, uh, 6.9 is not the highest rate out there. The US is 8.5, the UK is at 7, uh, but then it's much worse than Australia, for example, which is at 3.5. And this gets used in arguments going both ways. Um, on one hand, you've got, hey, we're not as bad as the US, or, oh God, we're worse than Australia. Uh, does it actually represent anything meaningful to do comparisons like that? No, not meaningful at all. It means absolutely nothing to a Kiwi family if we're, you know, we're six point four five, but the US, the UK, around eight point four. No one's going to feel good um, about that. Uh, however, maybe I should step back on that in one regard because with Australia, with uh, inflation still relatively low over there, but it's going to go higher. That whole cost of living, house prices, wages level argument for leaving New Zealand and going to Australia, mm. that gets reinforced. I, I don't know that this will really be the key deciding factor, but for some people it may be the final straw that breaks the uh, back that leads them to shifting across the, the Tasman, something I've been you know, warning for some time is going to be a key development for this year and next year and maybe into 2024 as well. So in that context, yes. But outside of that, in terms of trying to figure out exactly what's driving inflation in New Zealand versus you know, other, other countries, not necessarily all that useful. 
Yeah. The argument also playing out in politics at the moment is that the government should be doing more to knock the corners off inflation, like, uh, you know, like reducing taxes more. Uh, we've, we've had a bit of go with fuel tax for three months, for example. Yet, uh, you know, Grant Robinson and, and the government says, hey, we're doing what we can, but these are all outside forces that we can't control. Who's right in that argument? Are, are they right to say that? The government would be totally wrong to be trying to offset the increase in the price of these resources. You see, the prices have gone up to reflect things which are in short supply. Mm. And if a thing goes up in price, the message sent to those of us buying is buy less of this thing, purchase other things which have not gone up in price, um, alter one's behaviour. And that's why the government's temporary uh, cutting of the fuel excise was actually a mistake. People think, oh, that's good because uh, you know, it means the cost of living hasn't gone up uh, that much. But you want the price to fully hit people in the pocket. So we will adjust our behaviour and we will shift towards you know, more working from home or you know, using public transport, not going out and driving one big weekly shop instead of hopping down to the you know, shop every couple of days, etc. Um, and if the Reserve Bank were to, sorry, the government were to say households are stressed, so let's give them a tax cut, which would be pretty surprising under a Labour government, we have to admit, mm. um, that would be exactly the wrong thing to do because we already have a little subtle message from the Reserve Bank governor saying to the uh, government that uh, loose fiscal policy makes their job more difficult. Their job is to uh, increase interest rates when necessary to be reasonably certain inflation will get back towards, you know, 1 to 3% within 18, you know, 24 months. And if the government cuts interest rates, we go out and spend, it's going to make their job harder. Interest rates would go even higher. So I no, I, I don't think it really makes sense for the government to be artificially slashing prices of some things and uh, trying to offset what is what is always going to be a negative hit to the households one way or the other. I mean, speaking about the Reserve Bank, I mean, there's some commentary out there that or opinions out there that the Reserve Bank should have acted sooner or even more aggressively. Uh, where do you sit on that? Oh, definitely. I've been one of the, uh, I think, yeah. prime proponents of that argument from well over a year ago, saying that uh, why have we still got a 0.25% record low official cash rate when we could see the labour market was exceptionally strong, people were, were binging on spas and home renovations. The economy in late 2020 was in no, no way near what was expected when the interest rates were cut by three quarters of a percent in March of 2020 and the LVRs were removed, etc. So so, you know, the Reserve Bank should have been tightening from early um, in 2021. 20, uh, Late 2020 probably would have been a bit, a bit of a bold call. So, yeah, they've left monetary conditions too loose for too long, exactly the same as pretty much every other central bank around the world as well. Yeah. What, 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 what difference does timing make to it? Timing means yeah. that now there's catch-up has to be played, yeah. that uh, with the recognition of not just the inflation from one's economy growing above potential, but also these extra inflationary shocks, and a central bank wants to send a message of, okay, you've had your, your cost of living go up, but if that gets fed through into higher wages, which means businesses will put their prices up again because their costs have gone up. We're in a wage price spiral and the central bank then might eventually warn, we will have to throw you into recession in order to get the things under control. We're not there yet. That did happen in New Zealand in 2008. Uh, I don't think it will be necessary this time because I see the, the bulk of the factors which have caused inflation to go to 6.9% unwinding or at least not being there again in 2023. 20, uh, uh, 
So, yeah, I'd be careful if I was at the Reserve Bank of sort of raising interest rates too far, but they will accelerate the pace, same as we see with comments from uh, US Federal Reserve Board members, for instance. Yeah, it's a fine balance. So it's all—I mean, inflation's all over the news at the moment. This week, in particular, uh, you know, everyone's uh, covering it to to the nth degree. Is there actually an upside to inflation? What what, what are the are there any good things about it? Well, let's say you have got some property, and the lease agreement says that uh, your tenant has their rent increase at the rate of inflation plus X percent. Well, you're away laughing there if you've got that sort of contract. And for anybody looking at businesses and thinking about buying a business, you really need to check out the uh, terms of the commercial uh, leasing you know, arrangements for the premises they might be in uh, at the moment. If you've got your your, your benefits maybe uh, tied to the inflation rate, well, then you're, you're well insulated from this. But inflation is more generally associated with certain groups losing out, those that don't have good wage bargaining power, those businesses that have their costs going up, but they have low repricing power um, on the uh, on the other side. And that is going to be a phenomenon for the next 18 months, that even though businesses have their costs uh, uh, going up, they're not going to be able to increase prices as much because demand from us Kiwi consumers is already pulling back quite a bit. I can see that in one of my um, monthly surveys, for instance. And I notice a few other commentators are starting to pick up on that as well. And that is one reason why I've been saying, I've had an expectation over a year that the peak in the official cash rate will be 3%. A lot of people have picked 3.5%. The financial markets were pricing in 4%. I'm still at 3%. And my comment remains from a couple of months ago, if I'm going to change that forecast, it's going to be to lower that uh, that peak from 3% to 2.75 because I think a lot of businesses will not now be able to increase their prices. Imagine if you, you know, you're selling couches, what's happening now? Demand for couches is falling and all the couches you ordered in the middle of last year have finally been produced in China and finally made their way across the seas and now you've got excess inventories. There's going to be some high profitability problems for many businesses this coming 18 months. Yeah, with those problems, of course, you start to see that reflected in the markets around the world and the share market as well. Uh, as investors, what what should we be keeping our eyes on? Yeah, for investors, I think it's always the long term. You know, remain focused on the long term. Uh, I, I I generally don't advocate switching quickly from conservative to aggressive or growth sort of funds. You, you keep your long term focus, and all these perturbations tend to get lost uh, along the way. Um, you might allocate a small proportion of one's uh, funds towards you know the, the sort of fun and games with uh, crypto assets at the moment, but pay attention to the uh, gentleman who paid, what was it, 2.9 million US dollars for the first tweet by, I think the first person who did a, a, a tweet, and now the top bid uh, that he's trying to resell it is about 30,000 US dollars. Um, one needs to keep some of these asset markets in perspective, even though there's a lot of commentary on them. That was Tony Alexander there. You might have heard that uh, he produces economic surveys. He also does one for Sharesies. It's called Investing Insights, and a link to the latest instalment is in the episode description. And that brings us to the end of the show. That was recap for the 22nd of April. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz and you can also leave a voice message. There's a link in the episode description. Thank you so much, Vanessa, and thank you out there for listening. We'll see you on Tuesday.
Na, se va. 